Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Welcome to uh, Tell Me A Tales podcast. Thanks for downloading this show for another week. Thanks for tuning in. If it's your first time here, welcome. Uh, what I do on this podcast is I have conversations with people and um, try to better myself, try to better the audience. And yeah, I think this week's guest with um, Samantha Ferrier is, um, yeah, it's, it's a great chat, one that I really enjoyed. And um, I think after listening to it, you'll be a better human. It's a big, big claim, but I think... Um, there's just little things that I got out of this conversation that I can do in everyday life to make sure that I protect and care for the environment in a better way than I currently am. Um, really good chat. I'm kind of still buzzing from it. It was really good to talk to Sam for an extended period of time and just her wisdom and her calmness and um, her knowledge around the environment and how we can care for it better was pretty amazing. Um, apologies for not having a show out last week. It's the first week I've actually missed the show since uh, the podcast launched in March. And um, yeah, I was a bit annoyed about that. I wanted, I'm a bit of a perfectionist. I wanted to have one show a week, every week. But um, life just got a bit busy. Went to Melbourne on Thursday and for that state 5Ks and had a couple of cancellations with some guests and um, rescheduling. So um, yeah, that happened, but I think this episode this week makes up for it. I think it's as good as two. Um, I really hope you enjoy it. If you do, hit us out with some feedback. Reach out to Sam on social media. She lets you know where you can uh, get hold of her at the end of the conversation. And yeah, probably just sit back and listen and reflect. And um, yeah, try not to get too scared about what's happening to our environment that we enjoy so much. Thanks, guys. See you next week. Welcome to uh, the little back Airbnb studio and welcome to Tell Me Your Tales podcast. Thanks for joining me this afternoon, Thursday afternoon at 5.30. Thanks for having me, Brady. It's no, a pleasure. No worries at all. I have, I've hardly seen you at all in the last, uh, I don't know, I've been living here for seven or eight years. Hardly spotted you and I've seen you twice in the space of 48 hours at a triathlon <laughs> yesterday and now catching up for a podcast. It's kind of funny the way the world works. It is, a little bit of a coincidence. It is, isn't it? Yeah. I think it's, yeah, it's meant to be. Meant to be. Exactly That's right. right. Hey, do you mind maybe introducing yourself and just telling the listeners who have 
possibly just download the show, what they're about to hear for the next, I'm not sure how long, we'll see how we go. <laughs> sure. Um, yes, yeah, so my name is Sam Ferrier. I grew up in, um, well, essentially here in Moama for um, a large part of my childhood. I then moved to Melbourne when I was 14 um, to go to boarding school and since came back um, for a little bit back to Echuca Moama. Oh, well, for a year, went back again to Melbourne for uni and a few years of work and have finally relocated myself back where I call home. Yeah, right. So, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm living here. I would, I would probably, I don't know what I'd call myself, probably a passionate environmentalist, not so much a greenie, but mm. yeah, someone that's, that's passionate about the environment and, um, and protecting it, yeah. Mm pretty important though isn't it like shouldn't we all be trying to protect it and be passionate about the place we live on ideally in an yeah. ideal world yeah, in an ideal world. yeah. Well, i think it's getting better it's definitely getting better in terms of more awareness for the general public yeah for sure hey um, what was boarding school like hard i loved it, loved it. which boarding <laughs> yeah. school did you go to? um caulfield grammar yeah it was yeah in, cool. in melbourne so some pretty good yeah. facilities there i remember going there for a footy thing like years ago and like just going from a catholic school in bendigo to that school was uh was amazing yeah very very fortunate um, did you um miss home though like such a young age moving away um i think i probably did in a couple of instances but i don't recall ever being homesick i think because you're so distracted by you know living with um your friends and um thankfully it was a co-ed boarding school so i also got to go there with my brother and sister yeah um but you know what it's like. High school is jam-packed. You know, you're doing sport and academia yeah. and, and homework and that sort of thing. So you don't really get time to um, to miss home, I don't think. Yeah, yeah. Not for me. And then that relationship with Echuca Moama, like over those years, coming back for a while and going back to Melbourne, was that, um, I don't know, I guess the ultimate decision to come home, just happy to be back on, I think? Happy to be back, yeah. I think the decision was made for me um, when uh, the this position came up for work, which is what I'm, I'm currently doing. There was a, a, a space in the middle there where I was working in Shepparton, so I gradually gravitated back towards here. But I think if, um, if, the, if the job opportunity was elsewhere, that's where I would be. So it just happened to be that it was um, in Echuca, and yeah. and yeah, it just worked out really nicely. Do you want to maybe explain to the listeners what you, because your job's pretty much related to why I wanted to talk to you about environmental stuff, but did you want to maybe explain to the listeners what your role is for the local Shire? Yes, so I'm working for Camp Aspie Shire, and I'm the Environmental Projects Officer um, Education, so Education Officer, Yeah. Um, which I'm very fortunate to have because I essentially get paid to do what I love. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you reckon, yeah, it's pretty amazing that, isn't it? Like, I think I used to when I first started teaching, but then the longer you do it, you're like, it becomes a job and not a passion anymore, and... Oh, don't, don't tell me that. Maybe I'm like, no, no, that teaching's different though because there's so much more to teaching than just um, right. one topic. I'm sure if yeah. I was teaching running training every day of the week to, to kids, I'd be still feeling that way. But um, when did the passion, I guess, for the environment come about? Was that like in school or when did you start following those kind of dreams? Probably very much towards the end of school or even the first year out of school, I think. Um, I did a little bit of travelling when I finished school and I think that's when I first became exposed to um, trash, you know, really obvious 
um, poor waste management and growing up somewhere like Australia you I think become um, you, you don't notice uh, when they're oh, well it's, it's a lot more obvious when when there isn't a waste management mm -hmm. system that, that operates effectively so we're very lucky um, to the point where we don't we don't have trash on the sides of the road we don't um, have smouldering piles of rubbish out the front of our homes because there's no, nothing else to do with it and so um, it was Kenya that I went to and um, I think that's when I first started to, to notice that there was a problem with um, consumption and waste generation and and um, and litter and then I um, I obviously had to oh well I wanted to go to university and um, I at first thought I wanted to be a graphic designer. <laughs> Bit of difference here, isn't it? <laughs> and then I realised that no, that wasn't that wasn't something that I wanted to have as a profession. Um, I would I would keep that as a as a hobby, and I, I haven't done that at all. Yeah. Um, because you change so, change so much after leaving high school. Um, so I ended up um, finding a course which was a brand new course um, called a Bachelor of Environments, and so that's really where. I guess the, the passion for environmental studies kicked off, I think. Mm. Um, it was, yeah, a, a really a good course that opened my eyes up, I guess, to um, yeah, the different aspects of, of the environment as a social science, really. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, yeah, I guess that's probably where it started. Take me back to Kenya. What was that like? I've had so many runs on this podcast who... Well, everyone races the Kenyans, but no one's ever been to Kenya. It would oh, have been really? pretty eye-opening, wouldn't it? Yeah, Straight absolutely. Yeah, as a 19-year-old by myself. Um, by yourself, yeah? Yeah, so I just decided that that's what I wanted to do, and I, um, I hooked myself up with a uh, volunteer organisation and, and, you know, did the, the typical volunteerism type thing, working in a school and, yeah. um, you know, no qualifications. So yeah. <laughs> I can't guarantee that I actually helped that much, but it was certainly an eye-opening experience um, working with, um, with the children um, as well as the, the women that looked after the orphanage um, was truly eye-opening and mm. an amazing experience. And it's a, it's a beautiful country. It was a city called Mombasa, which is on the coast. It's the second biggest okay. city after Nairobi in terms of population. And, um, yeah, had the opportunity to go on safari and see all the wild and wonderful things. And yeah, It's funny, though, the amount of things that you could come home with and you'd be awestruck by that the rubbish on the side of the road <laughs> was so prominent. Like, you know, you yeah. could have come home and you know, dedicated your life to helping kids in orphanages or become That's a right. teacher and teaching poor schools or whatever it was, but you've ended up with the, the rubbish as being the number one thing. Yeah, I, um, I've actually never thought of it like that. You're, you're quite right. Yeah. And it's sort of, um, I guess... That's a similar experience now that I have with a lot of countries that I go to. Is that I I look for <laughs> I look for rubbish and I look for bins and how things work and yeah. Well, I guess it's kind of that we've just come back from Europe not so long ago and yeah. um, you know you're in Kenya and saying how good the system is in Australia, but some of those European countries you go to, it's the you almost look down on Australia's kind of use of plastic and the recycling system somewhere and the cashing in cans and like some of those European countries are amazing just how progressive they are with the recycling yeah. so it's do you get that as oh, well? They're, like they're so far advanced yeah. in, front of, in front of Australia I mean we're still trying to get recycling right 
Mm. Um, but yeah, as you say, Europe really has paved the way in terms of, of how they separate their waste, how they minimise their waste. They, they've got it right. Yeah. Well, just even the way you can't buy like plastic bottles of Coke, it like, like rather comes in glass or a can, and it's it's your only option. And yeah, yeah it's yeah. pretty amazing. Yeah. You must, um, as you said before, though the whole things are getting better. Like, do you feel like the tide is turning working in this industry? I really do, and I think if you had have asked me that a year ago, I probably wouldn't have said so. Um, I don't know if you if you agree, but I I think uh, there's been a lot more media coverage, and I think it's the issue of um, climate change and um, you know the the amount of waste that we're we're generating, particularly in Western society. Um, it is becoming more publicly known there is a lot more awareness mm. I think maybe it's just because I'm, I'm in in the industry but I think the um, war on waste series that the ABC mm. did um, this year certainly had some had has had a lot to do with that particularly mm. in Australia well in Australia mm. Mm. Um, it's pretty amazing that wasn't it like it's I think when I first came across your work was at that plastic paradise filming like a couple of years ago with that yeah, two years ago, maybe this time of the year. I think it probably was, yeah, start of last year, yeah. maybe. Start of last year, yeah, right. That's right, I'd just come back from Berlin the first time, yeah. Um, but kind of, I can't remember nights like that in the past where you could see a flyer at a local supermarket about this screening and it was reasonably cheap to go to and it was one of those things that we kind of went to because we are half curious and if something's 2K down the road, it's just like, I don't know, it just felt like opportunities are now there to learn about things locally. And then from there, we've kind of, we went home so frightened after, well, not frightened, but just like, just, I guess, aware. And like, you're looking at containers differently and you're looking at drink bottles and just all this plastic stuff you just notice. And now you know where it's going and it just makes you, um, yeah, quite aware and quite frightened about the impact it's having on the earth. That's right. It's, it is shocking. And I think um, seeing a lot of those documentaries, so I guess for the listeners, for those mm. who don't know the the documentary that you're talking about it was Plastic Paradise wasn't it that, yeah. we, that we screened so uh, I think one of the first documentaries I watched about um, plastic waste was Bag It okay. um, and that's that's a, a, a similar type story but um, it just it follows an everyday American man who was not particularly interested in the environment but one day decided you know hang on we're actually using a lot of plastic bags and what's yeah. what's 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 up with that um, but uh, yeah, as you're saying, with um, with the fact that these little little events and, and awareness type campaigns are popping up um, locally, I think uh, that's very much come about, and it's and it's happening all over the state. And I think that's a lot to do with the fact that the state government has been relatively slow to react mm. in terms of um, you know single use plastic and plastic bags and and plastic pollution, the amount that's ending up in the oceans as we discovered in that documentary that we watched um, so there there are pockets of local people and communities that are banding together and saying this is not good enough um, we need to create some awareness in the community we need to have these film screenings we need to lobby the state government um, mm. because with, without that pressure nothing's going to happen well it kind of goes back to like the project campaign like it was I don't know the more attention you started spending to it it just seemed to pop up everywhere like projected that pressure on the government and played the states off against each other and 
Because that's now it's past, hasn't it? Like the ban the bags can go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So they've uh, the Victorian government has announced that they will ban single-use plastic bags, but we don't know what the ban will look like yet. So it's currently open for public consultation. So there's an online survey which will close at the end of January, and I suppose the um, the feedback or the results from that survey um, will will hopefully determine. Um, okay. what the plastic bag ban will look like and when it will be enforced. So do you mean there could be options where the bag's still there but it's going to cost you five cents or there's a limited number amount of bags that you can get or it won't just be I like think, a straight... I think it'll probably be, um, you know, how strict will, will the ban be in terms of will it include just the lightweight single-use um, plastic shopping bags or will it also include the heavier weight ones such as the you know the department style type bags which are a bit thicker like yeah. Myers bags um, will it um, will it include other types of plastic packaging so there's a there's a push from um, uh, you know particular community groups as to um, the fact that it should include food packaging unnecessary wrapping of fruit and vegetables yeah, when they and wrap up the bananas <laughs> and apples and stuff like that yeah, yeah polystyrene trays and glad wrap and you know three cos lettuces wrapped up in a plastic bag and um whether it should include microbeads and um and those sorts of things so there, there's a there's a few details you know whether there should be exceptions to the ban such as for medical reasons or security reasons so. yeah hygiene and stuff like that i suppose and does my um head in like after having some of this knowledge now though like going to the supermarket and seeing people put three apples in one bag and then like just those little kind of plastic bags and then they still walk out put in it the in plastic another bag. bag and I don't know but I remember when I just started I just stopped doing it like and you feel a bit like you're inconveniencing the checkout girls a bit and boys but it's just so easy to say plastic bag that way and like we put our spinach now in um the mushroom bags, yeah, so that's, and then yeah. you use the mushroom bags to go to work, or it's recyclable, yeah. and little things like that. It's just amazing me that some people still don't don't do it. And I guess you you must hate walking through the supermarket, mustn't you? Just watching that oh, stuff. Look, it's it's it is hard sometimes, but I also I I don't get frustrated. I try not to get frustrated by it because I don't I don't want those things to frustrate yeah. me. I would prefer to f- focus on the good things that are happening yeah. because otherwise I'll feel like I'm just beating my head against the brick wall yeah. I think so when I see people that have their reusable bags that makes me happy or you know if um, if someone is engaging in a conversation and you know they, they see a reusable bag or they see for example you using your um, one of the mushroom bags for your spinach and, yeah. um, and that gives them the idea well I could use the mushroom bag as well because I've, I don't have anything else so yeah. um Yes, it it is potentially quite easy to be um, to be frustrated by by the little things, but um, it's a lot of the time people people don't know, and yeah, so without really. without that awareness, you can't expect people to make a change. So I guess that's um, that's what I've been trying to do for the last couple of years is purely focus on that awareness education, um, and it's what I do for my work as well. Um, because with, without that, it's it's really hard to point the finger and blame people and say, well, why why are you using plastic shopping bags every time you go shopping? When, um, I mean, that's that's probably starting to change that trend now. But um, you know, there's lot there's lots of other little things like plastic straws, just saying no to plastic mm-hmm. straws. So 
um, without being aware of the impacts that plastic straws can have, well, you're not going to start refusing them because mm. you won't make that connection. Yeah, and we've all come that far, haven't we? Like, I've used plastic bags for, for 10 years before I stopped doing yeah, it. Yeah, I did I too. Because I just didn't know. Like, yeah. was, you're right, it's that whole awareness thing. And um, Do you find, though, now it's a generational thing? Like, I think of the kids at school and what you guys do through the through the Shire and like it's in the curriculum now and as you said like War and Waste we're showing that to kids at school because there's resources that are engaging available for the kids and um, yeah do you think I don't know I always compare it to other issues that you just think that we're not going to make those same mistakes again because now we know yes I do agree the um, the kids that are going through school at the moment are far more advanced than what you and I would have been when we were in primary school and they're the ones that are telling their parents how to recycle, what goes in the recycling bin, um, to remember to take their reusable bags because it's been ingrained in them from from school. Like Mm. you say, it's it's more embedded into the schools now. Um, You know, they they recycle at school and they have veggie gardens and composting and chooks at school. And, um, but the flip side to that is that our, maybe our grandparents' parents or potentially even our grandparents um, didn't grow up with with single-use plastic. Mm. So if you ask, yeah. ask them what they used when they used to go shopping, um, you know, back, back in the day, um, and they would have said, they would say to you, oh, well, we had, we had um, paper bags that we used to reuse and reuse because they were really thick or we would take our baskets or we would take our... You know, when they would go and get um, go to the deli or to the takeaway food shop, they would bring their saucepans mm. and get them to fill up their saucepans. So, really, what we're trying to do is go back to that. So we just want to wipe out <laughs> the past yeah. fifty or sixty years or so when this really convenient um, and clever product, plastic, has been invented and completely infiltrated our lives. Yeah. Because to be honest, it is a really, really efficient product it's a really um you know it's durable it's waterproof um it's it's mm. cheap to make yeah um well that doco does a real good job that about uh, plastic paradise of going back and documenting why it was made and how it was made exactly and just how it's on absolutely everything now because mm-hmm. it's cheap mm-hmm. um and that i guess that consumerism that has changed so much as well in the past 50 years um, you look at people's furniture back then and how durable it was and you'd buy one thing and stick with it for ages whereas now we tend to buy stuff and I always think it just look what kids get for Christmas like it's cool yeah. for two months and it's just plastic crap kind of thing and then it's going to keep them busy for two months and then it's going to be straight gone to again landfill. yeah straight to <laughs> landfill the op shop and then to landfill and I, I think that's changed as well that we just yeah. buy a lot of stuff now because it's cheap like you walk into Kmart or Target it's the amount of stuff you can get for 20 or 30 bucks just little plastic things it's unbelievable and people buy thinking that they're getting a bargain but Mm. not really thinking about the whole of life of that Mm. whatever it is that they're buying and I guess on top of that um, there's products now particularly um, electrical items and tech products that are planned to become obsolete so Mm. things like iPhones and toasters and washing Mm. machines you would notice they're not made like they used to be, not that iPhones were around, but things like um, washing machines and 
microwaves um, that microwave fridges. behind you that's just yeah. new because the other one broke after about three years yeah yeah that's right so they they don't make them to last anymore and they don't make them to be repaired um mm. so if you buy a 20 dollar kettle from kmart um and it breaks in a year's time or two years time the chances of you being able to to get that repaired for mm. for under what under the price that you bought it for is is next to nothing so you just go yeah buy another one don't you like that's it's, right or the time it's going to that time in money in a way like it's not wasting my time going to ring someone up and book in to get my microwave fixed or kettle if i can just pop in on the way home from work and buy a new one for twenty dollars exactly yeah so scary it's, isn't it's it? partly our mindset and and the way that we consume and it, i think um manufacturers and and the industry also have a little bit mm. of a responsibility there is that changing a bit? Like, is that are they more accountable now than they were back in the day? Uh, that's a good question. I, I think it varies from um, company to company and industry to industry. Because yeah. at the moment, there's a um, a federal government initiative, um, which is it's a television and computer buyback scheme. So it means that television and computer manufacturers are responsible for recycling those products at the end of their life so they have to incorporate a particular um, a cost into the um, into the retail price of that product to, to pay for the reprocessing and recycling of those products so yeah. I mean it, it's a it's a really um, good way of ensuring that products don't end up in landfill and that they actually are recycled at the end of their life so I think if that were to be expand to mm. to incorporate more than just televisions and computers, mm. then that would be um, yeah, really ideal. Because if you if you were to pay an extra, for example, if you buy a new Mac computer, yeah. you wouldn't really notice an extra five or ten dollars on a I don't know what they're worth two or three thousand dollars yeah. now. Um, so if everyone paid an extra five or ten dollars at the front end when they purchase the product, and that that money was then put towards the end of life for that product to make sure that it gets dismantled properly and each of the components recycled well you know there's a there's a solution as opposed to you know the manufacturers just wiping their hands clean and saying you know we know this is going to break in two years and you're going to deal with it yeah and that's the way isn't it like you start looking at how many macbooks there are or iphones Mm -hmm. or Samsung Galaxies and the amount of plastic that's built into those things and that's right um, yeah and even like those bulk amount of you know little figurines and toys like I think on that documentary did really good at just you know looking at these old Power Ranger toys that were cool back in the day but they just end up because they can't that's the whole thing with plastic isn't it like it just cannot break down yeah that's right it just um, well they say every every piece of plastic ever made still exists today plastic doesn't as you say it doesn't break down it just breaks up into tinier and tinier pieces um, whether that be um, in the ocean or um, on land or in a in a tip recycling facility whatever um, it just breaks down into smaller and smaller pieces and so that's why it's such a threat particularly when it does enter the natural environment or the marine environment because it's it's harder to pick up it's harder to collect and it's more likely to be mistaken for um, food. So, mm. you know, fish and turtles and birds and whatever else are relying on um, on the ocean for their um, for their food uh, are eating eating these microplastics. 
Yeah, we're, we're eating the, uh, the fish and stuff. Fish. And that, yeah. <laughs> that's right. Because it'd be just micro, wouldn't it? Like, we wouldn't even know. You can't see it. Yeah, yeah. it's that small. Mm. That's pretty scary. Pretty scary. Have you seen the doco, um, a true, The True Cost as well? It talks about, like, clothing and stuff and how, I like, don't H- I it's on Netflix, it's good, like, okay. H&M and stuff and Cotton Eye, I'll just name all these businesses, it's probably not <laughs> even them, but um, pretty much release clothes that are due to go out of fashion really quick because yeah. you need to get the next thing and it's all that. But then you go back to where the stuff's getting made in, you know, poor Asian countries for low cost and the per- pesticides they're spraying on the crops and like yeah. for the cotton and just like it's really when you think about where your clothing comes from and what you're consuming, where what that is encouraging, it's quite frightening. Absolutely, that's um, that's something that's very much become um, apparent. That whole fast fashion. Mm. Um, m- what do you call it, a movement, I don't know, yeah. it's, a, it's a phenomenon at the moment and um, like you say, it's it's um, seasons of clothes that are designed to be out of fashion within eight to ten weeks, which is, you know, um, and these are not good clothes, yeah. <laughs> they're Pop $10, $10 t-shirts and $20 pants and things like that, so they, um, it's... It's um, they well. One thing that came out of the war on waste was I think um, Australia disposes of six tons of clothing, so you know clothing mm. waste every ten minutes. Yeah. Six right. tons of clothing waste is um, and Craig Rucastle actually demonstrated what that looked like. I, I don't know if you remember, but yeah. he, he did it in one of the malls in Sydney, yeah. and it was a huge pile. And no one would ever guess that that was 10 minutes worth of clothing waste, just in Australia. Just goes, yeah. So, and, and that, a lot of that is going to landfill as well because it's not good enough to be handed to the op shops, it's not good enough to be resold. Mm. So it's ending up in landfill. And as you say, you think about the resources that went into making those clothing items, the cotton, the water... Mm labour <laughs> yeah and the long labour for you know small wages and That's stuff right. like that and the, the stress and the conditions that labour is uh, undertaken in mm. and sweatshops and factories and all that kind of stuff and it's just when you buy that $10 t-shirt from cotton on or wherever that's what you're you're supporting you're that supporting. whole cycle and yeah it's a fair chance it's going to end up in the bin or as a rag somewhere or mm-hmm. you know yeah at the op shop hopefully and gets a bit more life about it do you think that movement's coming in as well though like i don't know if it's just because you people you hang around and i'm always cautious that life is more than just the, the people you know regularly but i've got a lot of friends now who kind of shop at op shops and look for bargains and you go to melbourne and there's like hipster op shop stores and like i don't know that wasn't there five years ago was it oh i would i would think it it was, it was. yeah um, i'm no I, I don't know you might be right i i don't know if that's um changing i mean op shops have been a thing for for a long time but um but maybe the you know the the vintage fashion mm, i guess yeah. has has maybe become more prominent in recent years um or maybe it's um more fashionable for younger people to be wearing secondhand clothes i don't know yeah. but I, yeah i i think um I think it's definitely, um, I don't know, it's, it's, it's certainly a good way to shop, I suppose. It's, not, it's another movement, isn't it? Like, yeah. it's, you know, yeah. just all these little things and what else is on the wall waste? Oh, the coffee cups, like, mm-hmm. who knew that before they watched that? Like, mm-hmm. and then we filled the tram up and he's driving around on that and 
like just crazy and there's been like I know just on social media you see kind of cafes almost bragging about it now it's like we're one of the ones who has the recyclable version and you can still get takeaway coffees from here like did was that common knowledge I'm sure it was oh no there. no nah. most people were shocked I yeah. think yeah yeah um, and it's nice to see, I think, um, so after the War and Waste series, I think Keep Cup sales went up 600% almost immediately. Um, and as such, they ran out of stock and all that sort of thing, which is a fantastic thing to see. Good to have, yeah. A good problem to have. Um, and then off the back of that, a lot of cafes have started offering discounts um, for people that bring their reusable coffee cups um, when they get their takeaways. And... Um, you know, so that's um, the initiative that they they showed on the show was called Responsible Cafes. So that that as well has really blossomed, um, which is another positive outcome of the show, I think. Mm. But I guess the thing with um, with keep cups and and all those fancy gadgets is that they're all um, they're they're great, but they're only great if you use them. Mm. So um, you know, there's no point bragging about the fact that you have three keep cups and um and they sit on your shelf looking looking really nice yeah. and you put up the instagram photo, with it, photo yeah. up and stuff like that yeah, yeah. But you need to use it every day of the week don't you yeah that's right or you need you need to um to justify the the resources that went into making your yeah. reusable item yes yeah. which is another way of thinking about it yeah, what other um, things would people not know about? Like, obviously, you've got the plastic bag and now the coffee cups that we're talking about and the, the plastic in clothing, but what other things, I guess, can people do that just small things that they wouldn't be aware would make a massive difference in the... Because you think about yeah. this stuff over a year. Like, you used, you used reusable bags at supermarket for a year. It saved a whole stack of plastic. And you do... Re- lot. Yeah, reusable cups. And then if everyone in your house does that or street does that or whatever, like... Mm-hmm. It adds up pretty quick if you can be consistent with these kind of strategies. Absolutely. I think um, one of the easiest ones, and it's certainly the one that I started with, um, because all of these things are, um, you know, these these little changes that we're talking about, If uh, I would suggest if anyone wants to make any of the changes is to do one at a time, mm-hmm. um, not, not to think that you can eliminate all single-use plastic from your life from tomorrow um, or anything like that. So um, do them one at a time and don't think that you're going to be perfect from the get-go. So it's okay if you forget your bag or, um, you know, forget to say no to a straw or something like that. Just just yeah. remember the next time. I'm laughing because um, I've been at the <laughs> checkout before and I'm like, I can fit this in pockets. And yeah. you're like, you feel like you're going back to the dark side and you've got to ask for one plastic That's bag. Right. Yeah. Um, so... As I, was, as I was going to say, was um, plastic water bottles. Yeah. So purchasing water from a water bottle, for me, um, it's, it doesn't make sense. It's, you're going to pay a thousand times the price of what you would pay to get water out of the tap. So economically, it doesn't make sense. Yes, the bottles are recyclable, but they're made of plastic. They're made of petrol. Um, they're going to last forever. Um, people often say, oh, well, it's okay because I reuse my Mount Franklin bottle. I keep um, filling it up and reusing it that way. Um, but there's a lot of, and I, I don't like to talk about the, the health impacts too that much. BPA and stuff like that. Yeah, it can. It can leach into your body and, um, and actually be quite detrimental and have carcinogenic effects even. Um, 
So, so just try and eliminate buying plastic water bottles and the best way to do that is to get yourself a really good um, reusable drink bottle whether it's stainless steel, whether it's glass, whatever you like to drink out of. Um, yeah, and buy one and use it every day. Keep it with you at all times. And that's really changed. Um, uh, I guess it's, yeah, it's sort of changed the way I um, consume water. I guess it, it helps me consume water. <laughs> but isn't it funny the amount of, like every fun run I go to in the show bag or whatever is a you know a publicity kind of yeah. promo plastic drink bottle yeah. that I'm not going to like it's got the sponsors on there and people have you know paid to have their logos on that drink bottle and we had when we moved house we had a stack of it would have been like 25 different promo drink bottles that you get and you're like well I don't want to chuck it out because we've just paid an entry fee and that's part of the exactly. part of the kind of um you know the the package, I guess. But yep. at the same time, you never used it. Like That's right. drink bottles from like five years ago that you're never going to use. I hated drinking out of those plastic ones. Yeah, they taste awful. They do, and they're in a way they're probably worse than single use because it, sometimes they never get a use and That's they right. end up. Could they be recyclable? Those ones because they're pretty plastic looks different on those ones. Um, that's a really good question. I I don't think you could put them in your. Um, curbside recycling mm. bin because I'm just trying to think of what actually you, you probably could they'd probably end up um, in one of the plastic streams but I don't think you'd see mm. too many of them going through um, but yeah they're just junk like it's that's yeah. right yeah I've got one sitting on my desk because it was something that that came with my induction pack at work and I, I don't know what to do with it so it's just sitting there it does my head in when people think that's a good idea they're like yeah let's do everyone's going to pay $30 to do this fun run let's give them all a plastic they're all running yeah. they're all managing their drinking of water probably fine with one of those drink bottles as it is but at the same time we'll give them another one and yeah and if um, it is if it is a promo thing or if if it is a, a you know a prize or something then that's that's fine you know let's think of another more sustainable prize mm. or giveaway that we can give so um i've got i've recently um i was our waste contractor um donated a few um keep cups with their logo on it um so i've got a bag of those and i can i can use those as you know little little giveaways when when you know, I need to encourage some type of um, behaviour or, you know, when, when a student wins a prize, I can give them, not that I would give a student a keep cup to encourage mm. coffee drinking, but, yeah. you know, I've got um, some uh, some stainless steel drink bottles. So, it, you know, we can still do the promo thing and put our logos on, on things, but they don't necessarily have to be what we used to do, you know, 10 or so years ago with those plastic drink bottles and those trashy... Um, well, you're you know, all those little, yeah, all those little promo things, like little key ringy things, yeah. and like, yeah, it's just, um, it's just tacky as well. I think, like, it's, yeah, I was just thinking like school stuff as well, because our kids at school are good, but they'll come in with their Nike plastic drink bottle and have it on their table every day. But at the same time, if that was an aluminium one or a glass one or whatever, they can use that for the next ten years, kind of thing, rather yeah. than just getting another new one for Christmas or losing that one. Because I think with the value, kind of goes down a bit as well if you've got a ten dollar drink bottle you don't mind if it gets stolen or lost or whatever because you'll just go buy another one that's right it's funny you mention that because um the drink bottle that i have now is the one i've had for the last probably four years and um i've 
I've really chased after it. I mean, I've left it in some pretty precarious places and I've taken it travelling with me and all sorts of things and I've actually turned around after, you know, being 20 minutes away from the place where I think I've left it and I've gone after it because it's really valuable to me. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's a little bit of an attachment issue, but um, but I, I don't want to lose it because it's, it's my drink bottle mm. and I don't want to get another one. Mm. So, yeah, when, when you have that, that value as opposed to it being something that you, you don't mind if you were to lose it or, f- or if it were to get stolen, mm. um, yeah, it, it changes you. You that. Yeah. Yeah, and, but they're durable as well. Like, yeah. I'm thinking of a story I am. Um, yeah, just got this little promo one, but it was stainless steel when I was in Canada like six years ago for a work trip. And um, I remember getting in the car once I was going to a meeting from school and my class was watching me get in... Out, out, watching me out the window, get in the car, rushing off to a meeting in Shepparton, and the drink bottles come off the roof. And they'd <laughs> seen me always have it on my desk and stuff. So they've gone out there and got it, and I was thought, got to the meeting, and oh, I lost my drink bottle, where could it be? It's got a few scratches on it now, but it was the same drink bottle Carly used last night at the triathlon. Like, it's just, yeah, it's funny. If that was a plastic bottle, it would have been gone, and I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have cared yeah. about it. Like, yeah. it's, um, it just wouldn't have been able to last for, yeah, it's probably five or six years now you're talking about this, that this one drink bottle is just been hovering around and yeah. sometimes we go to but it's always here because it's got some value and it's still got those Canadian labels on it that bring back memories and yeah, yeah and it's I'm got sure a story attached like, yeah, to it 100% first time I've told that story but now <laughs> it's out there which is good which is good so what you touched on the straws and stuff before as well because that would be another one that how many times does the drink at the cafe just automatically come with a straw and you don't think twice about it and yeah that's it's a really hard one especially if you're not um not used to saying something before you order a drink. I I slip up all the time, but I tend not to drink drinks that come with straws for some reason. Um, I s- tend to stick to. They're expensive. Always <laughs> yeah. expensive. It's like eight bucks for a smoothie. Just get yeah, the, a, just get a the juices and the yeah. gin and tonics yeah, and that yeah, sort of thing. That I, yeah, I'm um, with you. Yeah, stick to the just just by by chance, I suppose, um, or by preference, um, but. It, Again, like we're saying, if you, um, you know, with remembering to bring your, pl- your reusable bags to the supermarket, it's a similar thing. It's, um, you know, I'll have, I'll have this, thank you, um, but don't worry about the straw. So it's just, it's really just about, about mm. habit. And, um, and sometimes they'll, you know, put a straw in it and you think, oh, damn it, I forgot. And then you sort of think, well, I can't really take it out now because it's already been in the drink and so it's going to go in the bin anyway. So... Um, yeah are there people in the industry that are like real cutthroat like that though like it's um i guess like black and white that if they make a mistake like that they'd be down on themselves and or if the cafe accidentally made that mistake they'd be leaving bad reviews and things like that like there's pretty diehards out there no i don't think so no i think it's all all pretty good you need to talk to carly carly's like on to me like yeah (laughs) i take like one less reusable bag and she's like (laughs) told you about this stuff this is never going to break down it's like we're much better than we were just cut me some slack i'm, I'm yeah. getting there I, I guess it depends gotta... um what your expectations are of yourself mm. and who you're living with and mm. yeah, um and that sort of thing i mean i have um i have people that um that think i'm going to you know yell at them or something when when they've got a disposable coffee cup or yeah. but you know i'm not i'm not there to tell people what to do because i'm i you know slip up and I forget things as well so it's not about being perfect and it's not about pointing the finger and saying 
don't you understand? Yeah. <laughs> and that's not the best way to educate people that's in, the, right. in the first yeah. place. Um, I think sharing that passion for it, though, Carly put it in a really good way and just said, you know how you get really passionate about running and that's be all and end all. She's like, when you, you know, bring home a plastic bag or whatever it is, that's that's my passion. So it's like a kick in the guts. I'm like, oh, now I know. Because it's so much easier to buy... Um, even what was I buying the other day? Oh, olive oil. Like, yep. the plastic one's like $2.50. The glass one's like 6 bucks. You're yeah. like, oh, I'm trying to keep this bill down here. Oh, I didn't put too much stuff in this trolley. But then when she told me, I was like, no, no, this is important that we, we do this. This is what she values. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, that's a really, um, a really interesting way of putting it, actually. Yeah, but then now I have the knowledge around where that plastic bottle's going to end up and compared to the glass bottle. And I guess when you spend a lot of time... Um, in the environment and exercising and loving where you live kind of thing that it's it's worth spending an extra two dollars fifty on that other bottle yeah yeah and it is um it is about knowing the consequences if not Mm. so if like we've said if you're unaware of of what the consequences of your purchasing choice then um you're not really empowered to make a decision or you're going to go the cheapest option um and that tends to be what what happens um, yeah you know we, we choose the cheapest and most convenient thing unless we know that um, you know that is immoral or it's bad for the environment or it's tied up in um, unethical labor or um, whatever mm. so and all that's getting better too isn't it like the labeling of products like I know that kind of the stars which are kind of a bit all over the place but kind of seeing now what's made in Australia and there's all kind of different ticks about where it's made and if it's Australian owned and all that kind of stuff do you think recycling will you know maybe the the where this was produced kind of um in what kind of conditions and where it's going to end up will kind of be the next step oh that's a good question um I don't I don't know if it's as simple as that because um I recently did a little bit of an investigation um where our recycling where each of our recycling streams went after it. Uh, we've got a factory in Echuca called the Materials Recovery Facility and um, that's where all of your curbside recycling goes. So everything that you put in your um, yellow bin ends yep. up there and then it gets sorted by some machines and baled um, according to what type of item it is, whether it's aluminium, plastic, glass, steel, paper or cardboard. Um, and those items will be transported to a varying number of places depending on who's going to pay the biggest dollar for it so um, a lot of our stuff will go to Melbourne some of it will get um, transported interstate and some of it will get exported overseas so previously a lot of our plastic went to China or, or and it still is a lot of why are they saying why, why does it go to China um, because they they're paying for it it's low value high volume waste and yeah. um, they have the the facilities to process it cheaply they've got cheap labor um, they're more likely to um, recycle it into something else and um, and on sell it um, but at the end of this year or, or sometime soon at least um, China China's already announced that they're not going to take our plastic anymore so um, unless it comes in a really clean palletized form so we've got to have a shift of um, of where we we're sending our plastic and perhaps that needs to be um, 
perhaps it needs to remain on shore. Um, so I think all of that is really dependent where things end up after we um, recycle them is really dependent on the market mm -hmm. and it depends on the global economy. Um, there's all sorts of all sorts of things at play, so it's a bit difficult to say um, to put on the bottom of a plastic bottle, for this example, that, up, that yeah. this is going to end up in you know Melbourne, for example. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But but you know, um, but there are some things that we can do. So I've I've put together a little bit of a brochure um, recently, which um, which gave a, a general idea as to where our products ended up. So for example, an aluminium can. Um, perhaps it goes to Melbourne and it's likely to be recycled into another aluminium can and it can keep doing that um, over and over again. It doesn't need any more virgin material to become another can. So, um, Whereas what yeah. would it like a Mount Franklin bottle? Where would that go? Uh, Put you on the spot here. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that might depend. So at the moment it might be going to, to Asia, yeah. um, China, Malaysia or... Uh, yeah, I couldn't couldn't tell yeah. you, and that could get um, that could get turned into another plastic bottle or, or something else of a lower value, a lower grade plastic. Yeah. Generally, was it Catalyst or Insight that did that story on um, just roadside recycling stuff was just going straight to the tip and just buried kind of thing? Was yeah, that yeah, four corners, four corners, yeah. yeah. Um, it, it that was a really interesting. Um, episode actually but I wouldn't say that applies to Victoria that was very much a New South Wales Queensland focused story I um, it was it was a little bit of a shame to see that um, personally I mm. think um, that that was reflected on on the the whole of Australia yeah. I suppose whereas I think in Victoria we have far better um, Far better recycling systems. Our glass is not getting stockpiled the way that it is that it was portrayed in that show. Yeah. Um, and we, um, are, I, I should hope that we don't have those major incidences of um, you know dumping on yeah. riversides and in natural environments and the corruption between the environmental agencies and um, private stakeholders. Mm. I, I mean, it, it does happen, but. Um, I think money. that was yeah. a little bit of an isolated incident there. Yeah. Um, what about just like the general litter? Like, I don't know. Sometimes I thought sometimes running though, you think it's not a problem anymore. And back of those Clean Up Australia Day campaigns, and everyone knows you just don't chuck out rubbish on the side of the road or in the side of the bush. But it still happens. Like, do you guys have like stats and data to to back up if it's going up or down or? Uh, no, I don't. Um, we have uh, statewide data, I think. There's a website called the Victorian Litter Action Alliance, yeah. um, which has some good resources. But, yeah, you're right. I um, I actually didn't think that littering was a thing anymore yeah, until same. really recently. I didn't think people threw things out of their car windows. I didn't think people blatantly, um, you know, dropped things in a gutter. Um, and... I feel really naive to think that now because I think um, more recently being exposed to this role um, for work, it's it's just it's not the case. It really does happen, and it 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 is an issue, but it's an issue everywhere. And um, I think you're quite right in saying that it's not until you go running or walking and you're actually up 
close you know you can see mm. I was only talking to someone about this yesterday but you you know you might see a, a roadside and, and you can't see any rubbish in there so it, mm. you know you think it looks clean and fine and then you actually walk through it or run through it and you know you see all the glistening cans and bottles and mm. things that have been there for for a really long time so yeah I, I couldn't tell you if it's getting mm better or worse that's an interesting question I would like to think that it is getting better there's more awareness particularly with clean up Australia day and, yeah. and that sort of thing now and I think with the younger generation coming through um, it, it should certainly be improving they're going to save us aren't they like the younger generation like, <laughs> I hope so is this something <laughs> similar to kind of you know in the past that governments are going to apologise for in 50 years time and look at yeah well your grandfathers were just stupid and they didn't know and we're going to fix it now yeah or well, they did know and they yeah. still did it anyway they were getting paid a lot of money to do it so yeah. they just kept going yeah like don't you think maybe um, you know in, in 50 years time or something we'll be telling our children or, or grandchildren or, or whoever the young generation is and we'll say yeah we used to put petrol in our cars mm. <laughs> And that's yeah. how we that's how we got around. Everyone would jump in this little box and you know sit by ourselves and um, you know and then and then we would we would fill it up again when it was empty. But where did the petrol come from? Oh, we dug it out of the ground. Yeah. And then what? Oh well, then we ran out. We just kept digging. Yeah. <laughs> but it's crazy to think like like this is Dani like their massive mine project mm-hmm. and like it just like this can't be real. Like it just yeah. I don't know. Like I'm sure people in those roles of you know, you've got a million things on and they've got people researching this, but for me, sitting back in a Chickamauga hammer and just a school teacher, like, it just doesn't make any sense sometimes. Isn't it a no-brainer yeah. for us? But, yeah. you know, that's where money, money and politics come yeah. into play. I don't think it's because they're stupid. I think it's mm. because someone's waving, well, you know, Adani's mm. waving yeah. a whole wad of cash. Um, the, the banks are supposedly going to finance it. The government is supposedly mm. going to finance it. Um, I... I sure as hell don't hope it goes mm. ahead. Have you been uh, paying much attention to Lydia Thorpe? Just got into the Greens, first Indigenous like state member of Parliament. She's, no. Uh, yeah, she definitely got to check out her speech. She got sworn in yesterday and called him out on it. And she's like, "I'm here to yeah have a crack at this stuff." Make Northcote, so yeah, oh, so fantastic. Um, pretty progressive kind of part of Melbourne, of course. Yeah. And they voted her in, and because Benny actually went down and did a gig for her at one of her. Um, I don't know launch days or something like that so he yep. got me onto her and then I was just looking at it and um, yeah when you see like people like that going into government you're like you go like just it's I don't know you just see more of those figures starting to appear and it just is obviously backed by the people now and they're voting these people into That's those right. parties but and yeah. they're young people as well I mean mm. you look at the the recent um, New Zealand Prime mm. Minister as well yeah young female so yeah people are coming out of the woodwork yeah. and they're smart and they're ready for action and New Zealand like way better than us with recycling uh, I, I would think so I actually don't know yeah. I haven't been there and I, I don't really know much about um, about their systems yeah. Mm. yeah yeah I'm sure I don't know I've just been keeping track of their uh, all this Manus Island kind of stuff and just how they're like yeah we'll have them it's okay stop spending all this money on putting them there for years and years yeah. and and I'm just like, good on you, New Zealand. It's, uh, yeah. yeah, I'm proud of you guys, even though I've got nothing to do with you. But, um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it would be nice to feel the same way about our own um, mm. our own backyard, but unfortunately it's not the case in that sense. Mm. When did um, you launch kind of the Chukamoama plastic bag free? When did that kind of 
kick off? Um, so that was that was the start of last year, yeah. I think. Yeah, the beginning of last year. Um, I had attended a... I, I knew that there were plastic bag-free um, communities and towns popping up all over Victoria and also um, throughout Australia. And I attended one of the initial plastic bag-free Victoria meetings in Melbourne. Um, may have been living in Melbourne at the time, I can't remember. Um, and that really inspired me to to start something up myself because I thought I could, um, you know, I could help this group really um, push the Victorian government for a plastic bag ban and organise events and campaigns with them. Um, but I, I spoke to a couple of the organisers and I said, look, I would, I, I'm, you know, moving or now living um, back in my hometown and I think I can get something started there what do you think and they said that is the most um, one of the most effective things you can do is just mm -hmm. to get your community on board so um, that's what I did I um, yeah I saw a, a, a gap and I, I just decided to to start up a little group of volunteers yeah. and a Facebook group and that's where it all started tapped a few people on the shoulder and kind of yeah. told them about it and yeah it yeah. went up got the super team together and yeah and it's just gone on hasn't it I'm actually surprised to hear you just say started last year like I, from what I've read and been at the meeting or been at that one screening and yeah I thought you'd been around for like five years or something no like the no progress absolutely not we we've been pretty going pretty gung-ho um it's yeah it's been been fun we've probably done I would say three or four film screenings now um, almost all of them to do with plastic pollution, but the most recent one was the um, the new Al Gore. Oh, Al Gore. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Going to go that, yeah. Um, so the sequel to An Inconvenient Truth, um, and for those who wait, don't you know, guys done two? Al is there two Al Gore movies? There's two Al Gore movies. We did a film screening for the second one. So the first one was released ten years oh, ago, yeah, yeah. and that was An Inconvenient Truth. And then the most recent one that he released was um, an inconvenient sequel, and that's the one that we um, we screened at the Paramount Theatre yeah. and had a fundraiser for. Um, yeah, so we've been doing that. We've been um, busily making boomerang bags as mm. well. So we thought that. Well, Do you want to explain that concept? What yeah. Because actually, I need to know myself. So I walked out of Forever Fresh the other day and said, and said "Do you want a boomerang bag?" And I'm like. Oh, don't know enough about like do I take this well, yeah obviously it's quite I'm so pleased to hear that you were offered one yeah, I, like, I only had a few little things I'm like, I, I can manage with this then but thank you anyway um, no that's great so boomerang bags I, I suppose um, with plastic bag free we're, we're, we're telling people to try and avoid using plastic shopping bags mm. so if we're doing that well we need to provide an alternative um, and the most fitting solution is boomerang bags. So boomerang bags um, started up in Burley Heads, two young ladies um, who saw, um, who I guess directly saw the impacts of, of plastic pollution living on the ocean, that sort of thing, and um, thought, well, why don't we start um, getting people to make their own reusable bags? Um, and as we've already discussed, obviously, a lot of um, resources goes into material, mm -hmm. even if they are reusable. So the boomerang bags are actually made out of recycled material. 
So old sheets and pillowcases and curtains That's and right, yeah. things that... Um, wedding dresses stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we haven't had any yeah, wedding dresses, but... Limited I'll, edition um, <laughs> like that. I'll be really Find pleased. Find someone who's been divorced and like, can to get rid of it, you'll be right. <laughs> that could be a limited edition. Yeah. I like that idea. Um, we do have a One Direction boomerang bag oh, from a cool. One Direction pillowcase, so that that's a pretty special one as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the idea is that community members um, from all walks of life get together and sew these boomerang bags, um, and they have a, a pocket um, on them which makes them identifiable with the boomerang bag's logo and a borrow and bring back or a borrow and reuse stamp on it so people know that they can... Um, take it and either bring it back to where they found it or pass it on to someone else so that could be the person in front of you at the um, supermarket when you're waiting in line and, and they don't have a bag um, just just give them a boomerang yeah. bag or it could be um, and then for them to just keep bringing it back and forth like as your reusable bag yeah just yeah, boomerang it yeah. So, I, you know, bring it back, send it to someone else, just keep reusing it yourself. Um, so the best thing about it is, and um, as you said, they're, they're now available at Forever Fresh, so if you do forget your reusable bags, um, that there is one there for you, so you're not that that um, yeah. person trying to juggle like vegetables. As you. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but when you're caught caught off guard and you and you haven't remembered your yeah. reusable bag or perhaps you don't have a reusable bag because it hasn't crossed your mind. Um, so someone like Sam at Forever Fresh can say, Would you like to take a re- uh, a boomerang bag? And and that's where the conversation starts. Yeah. And so that's the idea behind boomerang bags. It's not only um, a means to replace plastic bags but it, it's also a platform to start a conversation with other mm. community members about um, the way we're consuming plastic mm. bags, the rate that we're doing that and why is it important that um, we try and reduce that and replace it with something else and you know who who made this bag that I'm using and how long did it take them and where did the material come from and it's there's a there's a really nice story yeah. attached to that. Well, it's not rocket science, though, is it? Like it's no, it's so it, simple. It keeps people, you know, if they're elderly women or whatever, like a purpose to get up every day and help the community by doing this. Or I know you guys have done yeah. it with school groups and stuff. Yep. Yeah. So like it's it's awareness and it keeps they're kind of doing something for their town. And so this is one option. The other option is to take the plastic bag that's come from China or wherever. Yep. And it's going to break down. It never break mm-hmm. down. And, mm-hmm. It's yeah. It's it annoys me that people like you guys have got to be passionate about this and get it started yourself, and it isn't just that what everyone does anyway. Like yeah, yeah. I mean one one day it will be. Yeah, this is where it starts, right? I mean, yeah, hundred percent. Um, you know, you think about some of the issues that you know twenty or thirty mm. years ago that you think that that will never change, but looking back now, it's um it seems so foreign, and yeah. I, I hope that this is really the beginning of. Of movement back to um, something that is uh, more positive on the environment mm. as opposed to just take, take, take. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Are we pretty uh, progressive here? Like, are there a lot of other towns with boomerang bags around Australia? or There's, um, I can't remember the exact amount, but I think there's over 450 boomerang bags communities, cool. and it, um, it was heavily. Um, 
concentrated on the east coast, the lower east coast of Australia, and has has really boomed um, throughout Australia. And now it's overseas. Yeah, so wow. there's communities in New Zealand, America, Africa, Asia. It's it's to- it's totally taking off. It's wonderful. Yeah, from what you've uh, probably studied and know your knowledge, I guess around like some of the European countries, what do you think, you know, will ban the bag and then what do you think our next step here is in Australia that we'll, um, we'll start doing? I'm only asking because it was so, even just seeing people taking their, I was in Berlin for a week before the marathon and yep. people would just roll in with all their cans and glass bottles and stuff and put them in a machine and then it would spit out a voucher that they could use with their with their shopping. It was just like, how cool. Like, and I'm taking photos of it. And like, Why are you taking a photo of this stuff? Like, this is send it for Carl. I'm like, you know, I'm not as bad as you think I am. Look at me. I'm, I'm engaged into this stuff. But um, And so what were they using um, for bags? Um, that it will have all their bags. Like, you could buy it. Well, it was kind of like the Aldi situation. If you didn't have a bag, you'd buy a bag. But the bags you could buy were only, like, reusable or paper bags. Yeah. Um, so there wasn't there was no option to have a plastic bag. Yeah. And you could cash in all your recyclable stuff to, to get vouchers to use for your shopping. Like, it was... Yeah, sense, great. And the machine was just efficient. Like you're just putting them in, and it's just mm-hmm. registering straight away. It's like a TAB machine or something. Like they wanted to make it work for you, not some clunky old machine that was weighing it or anything like that. And yeah, they were getting yeah, just a little voucher out of it, and you could see people scanned it at the register to get you know costs off their um, off their shopping. Off their shopping. Yeah. Well, we ever going to get that? That would be cool if we got that. Oh gee, I hope so. Like, I mean, it's be. fun to speculate, isn't it? Yeah. Like um, it's. It's funny because it, it, it's all there. It exists. The technology's there. The exactly, concepts yeah. are there. Um, our, our operating might be slightly different in Australia and we, we have um, a different environment in that we have further tra- um, distances to transport and um, less dense populations and things like that. So there, there are a few limiting factors, I think, that, um, and probably a slow political climate for mm-hmm. that sort of... Um, yeah. The appetite for that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but you know, maybe that's where we'll end up. I think the um, the idea of just having reusable bags and paper bags at the checkout that will happen. That will happen soon. That'll be the next. That step, yeah. you know, I mean, there's only New South Wales left to ban plastic bags, and that will have to happen because at the moment they look really silly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So you know, and, and then eventually it will be the whole country that has banned, banned plastic bags and you know each each ban is is different in how it operates but um yeah that that's something that's definitely going to happen yeah. in the near future i think yeah, yeah. well it's, yeah it's a good going to be a good time to live through hopefully this next you know 10 15 years and just watch all the the changes unfold and laugh about all the mistakes we've made hopefully yeah. and just move on from it yeah how's that oh sorry sorry there's a yeah there's a lot of smart people out there and there's a lot of um you know, technology is advancing at such a fast pace, and yeah. I think um, not. Not that I think this is something we can design ourselves out of, um, but there, there's some really cool stuff happening even now. Well, even those bees uh, wax wraps, like we've been using those for a year, and I took them into work, and people were 
They weren't giving me a hard time. They're just like, yeah, sure. You know? When you got that still in six months' time, you'll end up losing it. And then you, but I'm still using it. We've got like five of them and yep. you just pull them out and just use them. And yeah, someone said the other day, they're like, oh, you still got that. And I'm like, yeah, I have. So get stuff because you didn't think I still would have had this. But it's like, it's just a no-brainer. Like I've mm-hmm. saved wrapping up my sandwich every day of the week for the last yeah, 52 weeks is... Uh, just yeah, all that plastic hasn't ended up in land. And how good does your sandwich look? Yeah, and look good. Yeah, like, so I think that's the whole thing as well. And the whole minimalist uh, like movement around like those minimalist guys. If you watch that yeah, doco, like yep. you know that's getting wings, and it kind of always heading in the same direction. Like if you're more minimalist, well, you're not going to buy as much, so you're not going to waste as much. And yeah. it's, it's all, all about each, other um, each of those um, philosophies or ways of being or lifestyles. They're all about being conscious mm. I think and um, and there's so many um, what would you call it uh, side effects I guess of being conscious of the way you're living and the footprint that you're leaving so whether that's minimalism or whether that's slow living or whether that's um, being waste free or whether that's being really health conscious yeah um, or even like veganism, like veganism, yeah, they all interlink really nicely because it's we're we're actually being conscious and we're questioning the way that we're living and the impact that we're having on society and on the environment, um, and ultimately, I think it just means that we we lead a more positive and mm. and thoughtful life, and and we. We're less, yeah, wasteful and, and less ir- irresponsible. Mm. And I think now, like, more than anything with the internet age, like, we want to know this stuff and you can Google mm-hmm. this stuff and people are getting creative around making documentaries about what happens behind closed doors and in farms and in recycling centres and all, like, um, what is it? War and Waste is just about doing season yeah. two, aren't they? Like yeah. It's, yeah, starting this Sunday, actually. Yeah, so I knew it was coming out. I'll try yeah. to get this out before that. Just yeah, to get but people if, ready if for not, it. people can, um, can what do you call it, re- re-watch it on A5U. Yeah. 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 Um, what about yourself? How do you find balancing that kind of doing it for a job and then kind of a bit of a passion outside of your job as well? And like, Do you find it hard to switch off or you just want to spread the word and take over the world with this kind of message? Um, I've, I don't feel like I have to switch off because... Uh, not, well, not from that. Of course, I have to switch off from from um, work and busyness mm. and life and yeah. that sort of thing. But um, I don't feel. Yeah, that's a really good question. Yeah. Um, I guess I guess because it is my passion, it's really easy to to do at work. So I don't feel like it's um, a chore or um, and. And I'm I'm not too um, I don't know I, I I like to you know generate conversation and awareness and that yeah. sort of thing. But I, I don't feel like it's to the point where I'm beating myself mm. up or beating other people up about about these things. So um, yeah, I, f- I feel like I can I don't know if balance is the right word, but I feel like um, I, I don't have too much conflicting priorities. Mm. I guess. I think it's important of someone of your, you know, personality and character to be in this role, though. Like, you're not that kind of stand-up, massive macho, kind of my way or the highway kind of figure. You can talk to someone easily and be 
just relaxed and chill and get your knowledge across in a non-intimidating way. Thank you. Yeah, I didn't say that. I didn't mention that. Yes, I'm feeling like I've got all this knowledge and I'm sure the listeners, listeners I, I will the same. So. I, yeah, I don't like to um, preach and no one likes mm. to be preached at, I don't mm. think. So um, I try and be careful. Have you learnt from that or is it just something you're always, always good at in the way you presented? Um... I wouldn't say I'm good at it now. <laughs> no, my intimidation level is high. Even though, high, even though a... you've just um, paid me a compliment, um, uh, I, I'm not sure. I. Um... I guess I ask there'd be always, you know, those people with the louder voices trying to come across as being right. Do you know what I mean? Like sometimes yeah. the loudest voices, yeah, seem like they're more knowledgeable than the people who are just calm and getting it getting the job yeah. done in a way and i think um you might have you might agree with this but sometimes those voices they're just annoying mm. and you don't want to be um mm. told how to do something or you don't want to be um belittled or spoken down on and it's i really bullied don't want to be way. like it's yeah. intimidating and bullied kind yeah. of yeah and i don't want to be that person i want to i want to empower people and lift them up yeah Cool. Nothing to do with plastic, but where's some other countries you've been to? <laughs> which, which is about, well, not many people have been to Kenya as their first overseas yeah. holiday, but like, um, where else? Um, I've, I've spent a bit of time in Mexico. I actually did yeah. um, a semester of uni on exchange in Mexico, and I've been back a couple of times since, so I've, I've got a really nice connection with that place. Um, uh, I guess Southeast Asia, the, the trip that a lot of people do um south america um recently the states um and it took me until last year to get to europe actually so i sort of did a lot of the um the developing countries before um before ever getting to the states and to europe so it's um yeah pretty worldly though some pretty good oh i think just just fortunate that i that i have the um you know the capacity to do that you know if, even when I was you know the time that I was going through uni as a poor uni student I yeah. would still manage to be able to fit in a three-week overseas <laughs> holiday um, and do it really cheaply but still do it and and get a lot out of it so I think I'm, I'm pretty lucky. Do you find it's pretty like rewarding doing what you're doing every week like you must go home each night and kind of be like yeah you, you know you'd like to think that you made a bit of a difference to to the world and the future of people, not only locally but kind of yeah, enforcing the I message. I so. Maybe not every day. Maybe not every day I make a difference, but at least I'm working towards something. Um, yeah, I don't know if that's something that I, I I consciously think about all that often, but I'd like to think so. I mean, if we can all do, you know, make some sort of positive influence, yeah. that'd be a good thing. I had a kid at school yesterday. There was a there was a great one girl walking around on yard duty when I was there and she was taking down what everyone wanted to be when they were older. And this grade four girl said to her, she just wants to do a job that's going to make the world a better place. If that's a nurse or a policeman or a school teacher, I'm like, glad to put school teacher in there. But I was like, this kid's like nine. I'm like, she's got that knowledge. And I just don't want to do a job that's just, just a job you get paid. I want to do a job that you get paid, but you make the world a better place, which gives me hope that if that's happening at Tongala, a small town yep. in a dairy farming community, that um, yeah, surely all the other kids are thinking similar stuff as Absolutely. well. Absolutely, some of the things that young kids come out with um, 
particularly because I, you know, I get get to go to schools and do presentations and things like that. Um, some of the things that they come out with, it it really does give you hope mm. because mm. you you realise that they're yes, it's a little bit of their innocence, but also they want to do good mm. things. They want to be. But aren't we born that way? Like I'm sure we all born. I guess we are. Yeah. But maybe maybe as we. Um, I don't know, as we get older, maybe we get corrupted by money. <laughs> I don't know. The system and the rat <laughs> the race. And it's, yeah. We become either complacent or critical or... Um, but, but yeah, when, when, you, when you come up... When you, um, when you hear kids say things like that, I just want to make the world a better place. It's so refreshing mm. and it really does... Um, it it mm. is a bit of a reminder, I think. And that stuff, like you guys work with schools as well. The local media has been pretty good at covering that stuff and having articles in the newspaper. And it's like it's good to kind of have that support because I'm sure there's people in some areas of Australia that are banging on the local newspaper's door and not getting any coverage at all. Yeah, we've been super lucky, particularly with um, local radio and, and yeah. local newspaper. Actually, yeah, someone said, um, oh Benny again. He said, I was running with him the other day, and I said, do you know much about? Sam, and then he goes, nah, but I heard an interview on the radio, Edge oh. FM, the other, is it Edge? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Edge. So yeah, people listening, which is yeah, good. Yeah, it's, it's great because, as you know, we're trying to get the word out there and it, it, it is about awareness and to have the local media on board, well, that's that's half the battle, really. Yeah. Was that with Indy? Yes, yeah, it was. Yeah, she's good, isn't she? Yeah, yeah, she's fantastic. Yeah, we did some yeah. parkrun stuff with her as well and she was, yeah, she was, uh, yeah, yeah, really easy to talk to and good at doing stuff. Absolutely. Hey, uh, the last question I always ask the guests uh, is, do you have a quote or a philosophy or a mantra that you try and live your life by? That's a good one. Um, I'd, probably, I'd probably suggest two, um, one being more of an outward one and one being perhaps more of a personal mm-hmm. um, inward one. Um, so I guess that the idea that... Um, that Earth has enough um, to provide for every man's need, but not every man's greed, mm. and so it's a lot to do with, I guess, what we've been talking about today, which is that, um, you know, we were we're put on this earth, and um, it can provide for us, but if we're too greedy, or um, you know, we we the the distribution of resources is, is unequal. Well, it can't sustain us. Um, and we can talk about um, populating Mars or populating another planet, but I, I really do think that um, this is not a place that we can just mess up and and leave because mm. you know we we've completely stuffed it. Mm. Um, I don't know if you've seen the movie Wall-E. But, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's yeah. kind of like, sad, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I think that really resonates with me because it, um, yeah, it really hits home. You know what our potential future could could look like. And um, sorry, to catch it off, but it's just I was listening to something the other day and they talked about all the space junk. So it's not even here on Earth. Like it's all this stuff just flying around that we've left up there. Yeah. And it's just like. Yeah, it's not good at all. I only recently um, learnt about that as well, which yeah. is also quite scary. Um, yeah. You know, it's not just limited to our Earth and our atmosphere, but it's actually out there flying yeah. around in space. Um, yeah. So I guess, yeah. That's that, a good one that, though, isn't it? That like would be one. The resources are there. Some yeah. people have too much of it and other people don't have other enough. Other people not enough. And exactly, so it's a whole thing about um, equality and um, 
even even with food, there is enough food um, on the planet for everyone to to be healthy and to to be able to have three meals a day. But mm. that's not the case because we're um, overproducing in some areas and we're being mm. wasteful and um, Western countries, industrialised countries, are consuming far more than what the planet can provide. Um, and so as a consequence, there's, there's people in countries that, are, that don't have access to that food and those resources. So that would be that one. And I think um, one that I've been... Um, I don't know if I could say that I live by it, but it's certainly something that I'm trying to be more conscious of, and that's um, to be where my feet are. So to be more present and um, to take um, take delight in in life's simple pleasures, and I think I don't, I don't think I'm bad at it, um, but it's definitely something that um, probably listening to a lot of podcasts has um, <laughs> has it's had that impact on me, and, and um, I guess hearing people talk about. Um, you know how we can get so caught up in the past and um, consumed by the future, yeah. and particularly with um, things like electronic devices and being totally consumed by social media. Mm -hmm. So, um, one thing that um, that I'm trying to be really conscious of is is being where my feet are and being mm -hmm. present. It's tough though, isn't it? Like it's um, yeah, and I it's interesting you brought up podcast because I sometimes listen to podcasts and it gives me ideas or it gives me information it gives me something to worry about like I listen to Will Anderson talking to um I've uh, got to stuff up his name so I won't even say what yeah. it is because I can't remember it but the guy who yeah smuggled himself into Manus Island and got stuck there and had to kind of swim out to get to his kind of smugglers who got him in there and then I'm like this has really consumed me the last couple of days because I've got this new information about it uh -huh. over there and it's just like Right now I'm yeah, getting not anxious, but I'm like I'm trying to tell the kids at school about it and we're trying to do this and I'm researching it myself so that sometimes too much information can yeah, be can information over overload and yeah. But you're right, it's a massive I've spoken to heaps of people with similar stuff about just yeah, so much going on and you just that was one thing to start the podcast actually, just to talk with people without phones going off or gadgets or agendas to get somewhere else and do something afterwards or what's happened during the day. It was just good to simply just talk to one or two people who have just yeah put it all away yeah, so, yeah. absolutely and this is um, these types of interactions are, mm. are ones that we should be putting more value on I think having face to face and sitting down and having a cup of coffee with yeah. your friends instead of um, text messaging them yeah. you know when we're just down the street from them so or still sitting um, there with your friend and being on, on <laughs> each separately there. being on our on Devices. our phones yeah, yeah. And look, it's easier said than done, but I think um, at least if we're, you know, putting some things in place to, to be more mm. conscious of it. I've recently, um, I'm doing a little experiment where I've deleted Facebook and Instagram from my phone. And I've I did, I did Facebook last night. Benny <laughs> was around here and he told yeah. me he didn't. He's like, you don't have to do it, do it now. And I'm like, he's like, you won't do it now. How I'm good like, is it? Yeah. <laughs> but today, the amount of times I pulled my phone out at like recess or drove home and get out of the car and you're like, oh, just... And it's, like, it's not like the thing is, there's still four other things that you can check. Like, I'll still check Instagram and this and that, but I think I need to go cold yeah, check just and just delete it, it all. Yeah, and the amount of times you pull your phone out and um, and you think, oh, oh, there's nothing to look put at, so you put it back down again, and it makes you realize how yeah. 
you know, every time we've got a spare moment or every time we're bored, mm. we just pull it out. And I think I'm actually um, sleeping better because of it. Yeah. Yeah. That would be it. And even um, that's like waiting in the line and stuff like that. So you can pull your phone out and do it or you can just wait in line and just look around have and have around, some deep breaths. Chat to someone in front of do you. Do a bit of a body scan and yeah. how you're feeling today. But instead you're just putting... Because the thing is, we've got Facebook. you you might have all these friends from like high school and stuff and I don't know one of them might be on holidays in Queensland so you you don't care like yeah. you know hardly seen this person for 10 years check it and I always get worried where does that because I store that in my brain somewhere I'm sure and yeah. it's just I'm using brain space with this stuff that I don't need to know and don't care about um, that's yeah I don't know and particularly so if it's information. negative information as well or if it's information that um I don't know, even if it's subconscious, like you say, it's stuff that we don't care about nor should we care about yeah. if someone that you haven't seen in 10 years is having a holiday in Queensland. Um, you know, what what other things could we be focusing mm. on, you know? <laughs> You're right, and I follow a lot of, like, pro runners and stuff and they'll put out, like, photos of them looking good in sessions or, like, they'll be at the gym at, like, 12.30 in the afternoon and I'm just like, oh, this is making me feel bad as well because yeah. I'm at work and I don't go to the gym and I should be going to the gym and I've got to go out and it's raining tonight in Malama and So it doesn't matter if it's good or bad stuff. It's still um, yeah, has an impact we, on we you. Yeah, we compare, for sure, even if we're not aware of it. Yeah. Mm. I understand. Where can people, uh, if they like what they've heard in this conversation, can they get on a Facebook page or an Instagram page for Plastic Bag Free and kind of keep, keep updated and keep yeah, informed? Yeah, that'd be great. So our Facebook page is... Plastic Bag Free at Chukamoema. Um, we have an Instagram, which is also Plastic Bag Free at Chukamoema. And we've got a website, which is www, I've got to get this right, dot plasticbagfreeem.org. Beautiful. Thanks for time. That was a good chat. It's always good at talking to people about who are passionate and they're kind of into stuff. I did do the same thing with a mate the other day. We both bagged out Facebook and Instagram, and then we said, <laughs> "All right, so check out my Instagram page and my yeah. Facebook page." Kind of contradicting ourselves well, a bit there. In a way, I know you're trying to wrap it up, but um, oh, no, but there's there's, um, there's social media for you know when when social media is used as a tool, mm. I think it's really effective. Yeah. So if we're using it to um, to to voice an opinion or or promote something that we really care about I think that's when it's really effective Mm. I think when we're using social media to kill time Mm. and when we're just scrolling um, unconsciously Mm. that's when it's um, detrimental and that's not to say that I don't do that Mm. Um, but but you know when you're talking to people and you're interviewing people for your podcast and and at at the end they um, you know, give their social media yeah. pages and that sort of thing. It's because, um, you know, that's what they do and that's what they're passionate about and that's probably what your listeners are going to want to, um, you know, look mm. up and find more information about. So I think I think there's a there's a difference. Yeah, um, and So long as we can draw that line, yeah. right? <laughs> and it's not like when you pull your phone out to search Chikamai and Plastic Bag Free on Facebook, you accidentally go to your notifications and you check those <laughs> and then you look at your friend from Queensland from 10 years ago who's... <laughs> Yeah, up on holidays, and then you forget fully what you're actually going to do. And That's then half an hour's gone by. Exactly. <laughs> and you haven't cooked dinner, and you're not sure what you're going to eat for the night, and you've missed your run. Thanks, Sam. Thanks, Brady. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for coming around. Thank you very much for having me.
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 